The savanna is a brutal place for the animals that call it home. Between lions, leopards, and hyenas, many of the mammals that populate Africa's jungles and plains are built with sharp claws and powerful jaws. But when it comes to violence against an animal's own kind, researchers have found that these big fearsome predators aren't the most murderous. Instead, a small unassuming species of mongoose accepts this grim accolade. But what makes the meerkat so deadly? It's a fact that shows that nature is sometimes cruel in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And thank you to Brian for this week's artwork. If To see that, visit us on ldtaxonomy.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. And today we're talking about a mongoose most foul. But more on that later. Yeah. It wants it it desperate this blue line desperately wants to correct this to the most foul mongoose. <laughs> uh, you, you're not getting the pun grammarly. <laughs> uh I uh yeah, we're we're talking about not just any mongoose. The meerkat. It's no meerkat. You wouldn't you wouldn't think that that is the that is the most foul mongoose. And it might not be, but it's it's getting there. But we're going to call it here. The Murder Mystery Meerkat Manor. The Wary Weasel. And Harpoona Meerkata. <laughs> Not bad. Because if I was another meerkat, I would probably want need to have a harpoon on me to harpoon a meerkata. I, uh, would you like to hear one that I th- came up with? Yeah, yeah. Murder She Stoat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a wait. That uh, that's an Agatha Christie one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I've never read an Agatha Christie novel. I just. It's also a show. Murder She Wrote is a show with uh, Angela Lansbury. Yes, I do remember that. But it's based based off an Agatha Christie novel, right? Mm -hmm. Or no, that's the show where like an Agatha Christie novel is like coming to life or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. It's like good luck Chuck, but tame. Anyway, <laughs> it's time to taxonomize this meerkat. Also, Timon is a good nickname, but whatever. That was a, that was a given. Uh, she's a professional writer and amateur sleuth, so I guess she's written so many crime novels that everyone's like, "Can you sir, solve these real crimes?" That's how real life works. Yeah. If you do enough fake things, eventually people will let you do the real thing. Especially when lives are at stake. I don't know why we're engaging in conjecture about something that has nothing to do with meerkats. <laughs> Except murder. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so so let's, let's take... I'm sorry, I'm getting down a uh, Agatha Christie meerkat trail. So, the meerkat is in a kingdom you know, love, and are in. And the kingdom is the one and only Animalia. Feels good to Aminalia. say. Animalia. Animalia. Anemone. The phylum is Chordata. Chordata. Uh, the, 
The class is Mammalia. The order, Carnivora. The family, Herpestidae. And the genus is Suricata. And then the species is Suricata. Oh. It's two T's. Same exact word. Two T's at the end. I assume that's how you say it. You put a little bit of that flair on it, and that <laughs> makes it all better. Suri Katata. What uh, a wonderful nomenclature. Suri Katata, Suri Kata. Or just Suri Katata, <laughs> Suri Kata. But since we're in the business of naming things, cue the music. It's time for my favorite part of the show. Corridor groups. The part of the show where I ask. I know this. Oh, sorry. The part of the show where I ask you a question. And that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? What is the term of venery? Or what is the collective noun? So, Joe, if you saw a group of meerkats, because we do have one for meerkats, would you say that's A, a tribe of meerkats, B, a party of meerkats, C, a family of meerkats, or D, a mob of meerkats? So, if in doing the research, they're always called a pack. Of research, I mean, of a pack of mongoose, a good, a good pack, or, of or a pack of meerkat, rather. Uh-huh. But I was watching a video, and it said, "Oh, the name of this group of animal fits with its mentality and lifestyle because it is a mob." So I did know this one. I cannot account for outside research. There's also another one that I could have gone with, and I guess that would have stumped you, but. What ding, ding, that? ding, you are correct. Uh, I'm not telling you in case we somehow lose this footage and then I have to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's fair. Good idea. Good thinking. Um, yeah. Well, correct. Mob. It's mob. I was hoping to throw you off with the tribe and maybe even family. Party was just a throwaway. This one makes sense. Yeah, it does. It also... It, you also, on the Wikipedia page, you call them mobs as well. But more often they call them packs, so I left that out. Uh, what 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 was your third? I heard a suggestion for what when critter groups is impossible because the thing is too common or there isn't a thing. Oh, uh, there's is the names of the baby of it. Huh? Well, who who gave you that su- suggestion? My sister, because uh, at somebody's well, no, not because, but she gave that suggestion. Meanwhile, simultaneously. My wife was going to a baby shower and she orchestrated a game at this baby shower where people were going to guess the baby names of certain animals. Independently of one another. That's a good game. Yeah, and it's harder than you think. I Because even like like wolves you'd think, oh, it's a pup. But they there's a more specific one and that's whelp. And there's all kinds of very specific things that you wouldn't think. I that's a great idea. I can't believe I never thought of it. It's much better than languid languages, <laughs> which I had to do last week. Um, although that, I mean that wasn't the worst thing, but it was just really circumstantial. Like what are the what is the uh, what was it what was the the what is its nickname in Finnish or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I had to kind of reach for that one. So, I like that. Although, I feel like that information will be just as difficult to find. 
if like there's no if there's no uh term of venery term of venery then it would also there also may not be a specific um well you could use it when like it's so common that the term of venery is known right right yeah or we've already done it before yeah good idea i'll keep that in my back pocket hopefully i don't sit on it so it's time to talk about what this guy looks like the meerkat in case you've never seen the lion king um or meerkat manor here's a little description so they're just adorable little weasels they're not the most adorable weasels give you that the stoat as you mentioned earlier probably takes the cake i'd have to say unless it's uh mouth it's it's uh Beautiful white fur is uh, stained with the blood of an Alaskan pika. It is the cutest. <laughs> so the meerkat has, an, like most uh, mongooses, mongoose, has an elongated body with long arms and haunches. His little hands, dexterous fingers, with sharp claws for uh, gripping things and scratching things. Um, their tails are long. And they have black tips at the end. They're covered in sandy brown fur with dark brown bands across their back and dark brown circlets in their eyes. And they have that standard uh, cute little mousy face uh, that other mongooses and weasels have. And they have tiny little round ears and black pointed noses. And they are almost... Uh, as commonly seen running around on all fours as they are standing up on their haunches and looking around for danger. But they're actually one of the uh, smallest mongooses in the in the world. Not the smallest, but among the smallest. So Joe, what, is, what does that tell us? What, what, what can us- we conjecture from this? That tells us that it's time for the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words Measure Up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new Measure Up intro this week, hmm. but that means we get to hear from an animal and Gar- Carlos has to guess what it is. Bring it on. So without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Okay, is that A, a meerkat, B, an Egyptian mongoose, C, a mountain weasel, or D, a common ferret. Mm, I was expecting some birds to be named. <laughs> I don't think it's a meerkat. I also don't think it's a ferret because people have those. And I don't know. I guess I've never heard one. Um, I'll go with Egyptian weasel. Um, Egyptian weasel final answer. Yes. That is incorrect. It's A, a meerkat. Oh, it's a meerkat. Huh. Yeah. I figured sometimes I add the animal that we're talking about in. Just to shake and, things up. And if I never choose that animal, because it seems too obvious, then it will never be confusing. 
a point of contention. Uh, would you like to talk about head and length? Head and head, body length? Head and length. Well, yes. We're going to talk about head because it's part of the he, body. They have them. And then length. So the head and body length, in, in other words, the length without, out, without the tail, is 24 to 35 centimeters or 9.7 to 13.8 inches. How many meerkats, uh, how many meerkat lengths, rather, would go, would it take to reach the surface of the underground lake in Namibia's Dragon's Breath Cave from above ground? You're going to have to walk me through what you just said again. So the space between the surface of this underground lake and above ground. So if you're standing okay, okay, in the okay. open air, yeah. Dragon's breath lake. Feet beneath the ground. Will you, will you take to fall before you touch the, break the surface tension of the water? Here's a hint: mm-hmm. the lake is said to be the largest non-subglacial underground lake in the world. It's thought to be around a hundred meters deep, but its total depth is unknown because it's very difficult to dive, very very deep in an underwater cave. Yeah, I'm picturing the lake that Gandalf and the Balrog fall into. It's the, That's the lake, yeah. So I'm picturing like this cavernous uh, overlay. I'll say 500 feet. No, because it's probably like some tunnel to get down there. It's not like this just the crust of the earth. Like just a thin, it's got to be enough for people to like. For So I'll say... Um, no, a mile, and a mile would be too far down. So I'm going to say 2,500 feet. It's half a mile-ish. Less, a little less than half. So I'm going to say that the answer is uh, 2,100 or 2,200. We'll say 2,200 mere cat lengths go from the uh, verdant grass above to the dark waters below. I don't think it's verdant grass, but... Final answer? It might be. I don't know. There's grass in the. I saw pictures. Oh, is it a it's desert? It's more like um, scrub, scrubs and yeah, scrub plants. Final answer? Yep. 2,200. The correct answer is 285 meerkats. Pretty close. Oh, wow. So, no, it's not. I said 2,200. 2,200. Wow. Yeah, because I assumed it was half a mile down. The lake is in a cave around 100, and, 100 meters below ground level uh which yeah. is i would have been close if i if i'd gone with my initial thought which was 500 feet yeah 328 feet okay that was off i i so, get and some someone who knows anything about um like seismology or whatever would is probably just laughing to themselves at the idea that a cave could be half a mile below the crust and not be like encased in magma or something like that <laughs> i don't know well, that's a topic for another day, Deepest Cave. Let's talk about weight. They're 0.62 and 0.97 kilograms, or 1.4 and 2.1 pounds. Mm-hmm. How many meerkats would would a bat-eared fox have to eat to eat its weight in meerkats? There's a flying fox, and then there's a bat-eared fox. Yeah. So, But this I, is a fox. This, this is an actual a, fox. Yeah. Here's a hint. A bat-eared fox is a typical meerkat predator, along with other canids on the African savanna. 
These foxes have a hilarious head-to-ear ratio, which is thought to help with thermal regulation like elephant ears. Not the snack, the actual elephant ears. Mm, I could go Although for if you're cold right and you have piping hot funnel cake, you might, you know, have, have some thermal thermo regulation. <laughs> That's why I go to fairs is for um, warmth, elephant ear uh, thermal regulation. Uh, I'm gonna say it's. I mean, a fox. It's not that big. It's pro- I'm gonna say twenty pounds. So I'm gonna say ten. Ten. It would have to eat ten meerkats to eat its weight in meerkats. <laughs> Final answer. Yep. Correct answer is 5.4 meerkats. Oh, it's a light boy. A bat-eared fox is around 5.3 kilograms. Or 10 pounds. Or 10 yeah. inch, 11 pounds. Okay. All right. You got any minor facts before we get into the major detail? <laughs> yes, we got some fast facts. So, uh, let's talk about their, where they live. Specifically, you mentioned Namibia, but they live exclusively in the southwestern tip of Africa. So that's Namibia, Botswana, and South Africa. So if you've ever wondered where the Lion King takes place, either Timon is very far away from home or it takes a it takes place uh there. We also don't know when this places. took Although when it I, took place. Yeah, it could have taken place, you know, thousands of years ago. Um with, I don't know if their range is bigger than the the movie makes it seem like it's it might be closer to like Kenya or Tanzania, which means Timon is just and I think in the Lion King one and a half he leaves home so maybe he leaves home and travels like three thousand miles <laughs> uh, to go meet Simba and pals. It's a long walk. Um, so they specifically they like to they like the wide open spaces of uh, the African scrublands and desert where they can dig burrows and see danger coming from a long way, way, way. Because that's their specialty is seeing danger coming. Uh, They mostly eat insects, so they are insectivorous, insectivorous. Uh, But they'll also eat frogs, spiders, lizards, small birds, and even scorpions. And they're immune to scorpion venom, uh, which is... Kind of harkens back to our mongoose episode, which was a specific mongoose. Uh, we were talking about um, the, I think it's the Indian, Indian mongoose. Um, but it's immune to a lot of different kinds of venom, including scorpion. And um, it's highly resistant to cobra venom. So that's why a mongoose, mongoose and cobra uh, is the is the battle of the ultimate showdown. Um. So yeah, with these guys, the meerkats are immune to scorpion venom, and they'll also eat certain plants and seeds. So they're they're technically omnivorous, but most of their diet is made up of of insects, beetles, and things like that. They spend a lot of their time standing outside of their uh, their burrows. Now during the winter, they do this for a very specific reason, and that's to sunbathe. They like to sunbathe, like the uh, uh, the Mora Mora, the uh, ocean sunfish. But why does it need a sunbathe? Well, it's because of that word that you mentioned earlier, thermoregulation. So despite being warm-blooded, which usually means that your body temperature stays the same regardless of temperatures on the outside, you know, like humans and most mammals um, and birds, the meerkat uh, has its 
body temperature change depending on the weather, whether it's hot or cold outside. So if it's very cold, it's uh, me uh, metabolism will increase and its heart rate will increase and it's breathing and that will increase its temperature and then vice versa for when it's hot. Um, so this helps it conserve water, stay warm and change its metabolism so that it can survive more easily in the desert because despite what you may think, deserts can get pretty cold at night. Um, because the air is so dry that the uh, the heat doesn't stick around uh, after the sun goes down. So it gets cold quickly. So for that reason, when it's cooler out, uh, Timon needs to sunbathe. But being such a small little mongoose means that in Africa also, <laughs> uh, of all the places to be a very small animal or mammal, that's one of the worst. With Australia being... I would actually rather be a small mammal in Australia than Africa. I gotta say, there's. I'd rather keep keep an eye out for spiders and dingoes than everything in the world. And hawks. Yeah. Uh, well, there's hawks and eagles in Africa and stuff like that. But um, while there's, so they have to get, have a, a sentry lookout. So they usually have several meerkats posted looking for a danger uh, in all directions, up, down, underground, all over the place. And they have a very robust communication system for when they spot danger. So they have 12 different alarm vocalizations. Um, for And for example, they'll have one if they spy danger from above, like an eagle or a hawk is flying overhead. Or um, they'll have another one if they spy danger on the ground, like a uh, fox or or a, um, a wolf or something like that. So it's one if by land, two if by hawk. If they do see danger and there's the specific code, like a kind of a Morse code, like rapid barking means, I think that one means on the, there's there's ground, ground danger. Um, so if they do hear that, they will go into their burrows or warrens as they're called uh, through what they call bolt holes, which is a, a hole into their warren where they can bolt. They just <laughs> run there as quickly as possible. Um, and they make a fast getaway if danger comes a knocking. And, you know, these are a really, this is a really well-studied animal. Lots of good info. Uh, but that's kind of some of the most fascinating general info. But do you have the major fact? I do. A big fact coming in at full velocity. I'm calling this fact murder among the meerkats. Okay. With sensational news stories about slayings and the popularity of true crime podcasts, murder may seem like a common human conundrum, but is murder unique among humans when compared to animals, especially other mammals? The answer is both yes and no. Is it murder if animals do it? Is that called, is that murder? I'm glad you brought that up because first it's important to define what is meant by murder. <laughs> can we can we figure out what the ethical ramifications are for animals here? Uh, in the animal kingdom, killing and fighting are common. Predators have to kill to eat and some animals fight members of their own species for territory, mating rights, and dominance. But according to 2016 study, violence that leads to killing members of your own species, which is what murder is in this case, is pretty rare. Even, so that's even what we're calling murder. Uh, mating violence or territorial. That it happens, 
but in many cases, the the idea is to like win a fight and move on, not to kill. But it does happen, like lions um, killing their own or killing the uh, the cubs of the previous uh, leader. That would be con- yeah, that would be definitely in the murder category. That, that, that's animal murder. Got it. Uh, the study looked at one thousand mammal species and se- and less than half kill members of their own species on the reg. 1,000 animal species out of the... Mammals. Oh, mammal mammal species. species. Got it, got it, got it. I was like, there's like 5 million or something like that. (laughs) 1,000 mammals from various families and groups. So primates do seem to have a propensity for murder. But human beings don't make the top 30 mammals that are likely to kill their own kind. We Really? Right, yeah. So so, So man isn't the greatest monster. No, it isn't. They we have the probably the most sophisticated methods of killing. We could probably kill the most things in one foul swoop. And by probably I mean definitely. <laughs> but number thirty is brown bears. Did you know that? Huh. And then big cats and canines make the other parts of the lists and several different primates. I, I think we definitely take the cake in terms of uh sophistication and uh scale, because I think it's like ICBM is number one, and then number two is a chimpanzee's rock. (laughs) But in fact, almost 20% of meerkats die at the paws of another meerkat. Scandalous. Uh, But so so meerkats are the number one most likely mammal to murder its fellows. So they're like a mob. It's like, hey, Tony, you want me to weemba whack him? (laughs) They are exactly a mob. To put that in perspective, you wrote that down. Shut up! No, I didn't. <laughs> that was off the cuff. It was a it was a discarded um, nickname. I was trying to figure oh. fit fit in the the um, that song into the. So meerkats uh, die twenty percent of the time because of murder. If you combined all communicable, maternal, neonatal and nutritional disorder causes of death among humans, it would equal murder as a cause of death for meerkats. There's so, like, there's so many like men- mental hoops I have to go through for to understand that. It, the point is a host of causes of deaths that are pretty common among humans. Can you put your murder statistics in relatable terms? It's fun for the whole family. I just, I just did. <laughs> so why do mere- meerkats kill each other? So meerkats are you social? And have complex hierarchies, a fact that was popularized by, popularized by the show Meerkat Manor. Like other highly social and hierarchical animal species, there's often conflict when it comes to maintaining power. Lions, horses, zebras, primates all maintain these kinds of hierarchies in their groups, and they all have representation on the list of murderous animals. Horses? Horses. Horses kill each other? Yeah. Horses are murderers. Oh my goodness. That I did not know that. That's gotta be brutal. Um, meerkats also have a fierce battle with other they have fierce battles with other groups of meerkats that sometimes result in fatalities. But unlike humans, females are the are often the most aggressive when it comes to murder. Uh, females that grow the fastest tend to gain status as dominant members of society. Uh, whenever a strong female rises to power, she'll try to prevent 
arrival from gaining dynastic footholds through infanticide. Like lions. Like male lions do. Yeesh. But females can give birth to up to eight individuals. So every time another female goes on a rampage, it adds up. So males tend to use different tactics. They mark their territories extensively by peeing. Uh to send a message that they're in control of the area and they also will drive away other males and take over their packs to assert dominance so they like the uh take over and exile method of gaining power rather than the uh game of thrones method of maintaining power um it's not just dominant females that kill though Lower-level members of society will try to ensure better positions for their offspring, like killing off their classmates. This is... So it's like, hey, Mom, I haven't seen Susie at school. And she's like, well, I had to do something. She had a much better GPA than you. (laughs) This is like Battle Royale, except the moms are killing. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're all Cersei Lannisters. Um, That sounds about right. Uh... But fun fact, b- b- before Brian even knew what the major fact would be, he called, then he named the image file for the mongoose, or for the meerkat uh, Game of Thrones. Don't, aren't like entire um, mobs of meerkats basically one big family anyway? Like they're all related. So there's a, probably a lot of interbreeding happening. Perhaps. Which would uh, lend to the Game of Thrones situation. If that's the case, if they're killing off strong contenders and in, in inbreeding, you'd think... Well, so if you are subservient, if you're, if you're a submissive member, an individual in the group, you will leave to mate. So that's what helps. Uh, and it takes like many weeks to establish yourself in a new uh, group but that's what helps them become full uh, fully like family tree uh, is fully making it prevents the family tree from being fully vertical you know for tall and thin for just being a palm tree kind of thing with no no fronds <laughs> yeah, yeah. <A> bald cypress <laughs> oh, so this is this is reminding me of the uh, hyena hierarchy and just how terrible and brutal it is to be a hyena especially a male hyena yeah it didn't seem though like females had a monopoly on power it just seemed like they mean they got power in different ways through their monopoly on violence (laughs) right exactly like the state no they uh it sounds like the males uh are violent as well but goodness that's they they might be violent against each other other males So I I was reading an article and they said that humans might be unique in the the rates at which they kill other adults. But yeah, so it sounds sounds like it's like uh, when the when the Egyptians were killing the the Hebrew children because they grew too numerous. Yeah, and then Val Kilmer had to save them all with his be- with exactly. his best friend Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> best friend and brother, and his sister Sandra Bullock. Oh yeah, I forgot Sandra Bullock was in there because they had to fight off Voldemort and her dad, uh, Fraser's neighbor. Fraser's neighbor, 
Yeah, Frasier is like this deep voice. Cam Winston episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's her. That's dad. the. At least it's the singing voice, but I think it's both. No, 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 no. Are you talking about Zipporah's dad? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Sandra sorry, Bullock is Miriam. I don't know who Zipporah is, but um, Pat, uh, Patrick Stewart is is um, Jethro. Jethro. So uh, it's his the singing voices. It's Cam Newton, huh? <laughs> Cam Newton? <laughs> that's the guy's that's the that's the Cam Winston? Oh it's Cam Cam Winston. Who's Cam Newton? Am I is that is he's a, a football, football player. player. Yes, yes, Cam Winston. Anyway <laughs> Go watch Prince of Egypt if you want And Fraser. If you well go watch Prince of Egypt if you want a little bit more insight into the whole in, uh massive infanticide situation that the Meerkats do. Little taste. Alright, that's all I got. All right, that was the meerkat. I'm sure you'll never look at Timon and his uh, family the same again. Um, and you, you'll see it, you see all that cooperation when it comes to digging tunnels um, and scoff at it. I hope you do, because I will. I'll be scoffing along with you. So, for you out there in podcasting, stay vigilant. Trust your family members, but sleep with one eye open, gripping your pillow tight like the meerkat here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, Taxonomy Titans. Thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores taxonomy tees. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Life, Death, and Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> okay apparently i have to emergency go kill a giant centipede that's crawling over mason while he tubs what i'll be back what quite a predicament how did it there's so many questions i have like how did the millipede get on to the child if the child is sitting in a tub he's surrounded by water all right, I've killed the monster. I demand the village people shower me with gifts. The village people? Uh, my question is, how did a, a millipede get onto a baby in a bathtub? It's it was a, it's a centipede, and it was like three Never and a half mind. inches long. Retracted. The question <laughs> has been answered. <laughs>